we by chance got hooked up as a tag team. I didn't like it because I didn't really understand tag team wrestling. But as Brian and I traveled together, we became very, very close. I was trying to ask you about uh, young, stunning Steve Austin against Stone Cold in a dream match. Stunning Steve Austin wouldn't have standed a chance. Oh, you know, he, was, he had a, somewhat of a technician. Uh, and you know, I, I really, a lot of people do this to try to model their career after someone else. And I was trying to model my career at that time to Nature Boy Ric Flair, because I thought he was uh, the greatest thing going and uh, the way he traveled all over the world, defending the world championship. I was modeling my game after the Nature Boy and you know, there's never going to be another one of him. No. And I turned into Stone Cold uh, due to some physical limitations, but made those into, I made limitations into assets and developing the attitude and the persona and the showbiz part of it and the swagger and, and the attitude. Uh, maybe I should help usher in attitude along with several other people. Oh yeah, I mean, that attitude era was- uh... As great of an athlete as a Stunning Steve was, uh, the, the experience factor and the mean streak of Stone Cold, he would have crushed Stunning Steve. Okay, all right, that's a, that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, tell us kind of, I know we're not gonna do a long piece on this, but uh, I'm sure you miss your old friend, Brian Pillman. Now his son is uh, wrestling now and uh, yeah, I knew Brian very well too, and he was a, he was a hell of a character. When somebody mentions his name to you, what's the first thing you think about? Cutting edge. He was one of those guys that was out there, all, you know, in front. You know, he he was a smaller guy. Even going back to his high school, his football days, his college days, the few pro days that he had, Brian was a tough sob, and he was just a, he was a man's man. Uh, we, by chance, got hooked up as a tag team. I didn't like it because I didn't really understand tag team wrestling. But as Brian and I traveled together, we became very, very close. I remember. And he turned into be one of the best friends I had in the business. And I loved working as a tag with him. And we started off on a, a run that no one would have figured. Him and his Bengal trunks, me and those stupid psychedelic trunks that I used to have. I took pictures of that stuff. And then we then we developed, you know, the Hollywood Blondes thing, which was all his idea. Yeah. And so here was these two badass talents with a hell of a tag team, and they weren't even trying to give a give us a push. And we won the tag titles and started to get over, and they split us up. Had Flying Brian and Stunning Steve remain together for another five years. First of all, I wouldn't have had the Stone Cold career probably. That's right. But the Hollywood Blondes would have been uh, in the conversation as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Sure. And I don't put us in that conversation now because we weren't together long enough. And that would be, that would be a complete disservice to all the dedicated tag teams that were out there uh, that, that really specialize in tag team wrestling. So we're not in the conversation, but we could have been. Okay. You mentioned Ric Flair um, at the end of uh, August. 2022 he's uh a july rather 2022 he's uh making his final match um what's your reaction well it's gonna be his final match so i guess he he's in the mood to have one more go and to prove he was the man and you know i've said said before just just talking to you i think he was the greatest 
you know, traveling world champion that, that there ever was. <laughs> There's the reason he had the belt uh, as, as, as many times as he did because he was that damn good. Yeah, he lived the lifestyle on the roads, just like uh, to the nth degree, let's say. But for him to have his final match, I wish him nothing but the best. I hold him in the highest regard and I uh, have the highest respect for him. And uh, I'm behind every, you know, everything he does in the ring. So I'll, I'll look forward to seeing it. I, I wish I could be there in person. But I, again, I, I'm not traveling anywhere right now. But yeah. I wish him all the best. And I, I know it's going to turn out great. And I can't, can't wait to watch it. Okay, me too. Same thing. By the way, since you mentioned, you know, there was another nature boy before him when I was growing up, Buddy Rogers. And I got I got a shock for you in my in my book here, in my book, which by the way I have to ask you, is wrestling fixed? Well, I didn't know it was broken. Thank you. In my book, I have something you didn't know that the other nature boy was the first guy to do something before you did it. There he is giving me the bird in a restaurant in Florida. Awesome. That was before Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what, man? That, that guy, man, I've seen some old footage of him. Not a whole lot because it was, a, it was a ways back. But, man, he was pretty much ahead of his time with respect to a lot of the high spots he did. So I, everybody I've ever talked to spoke so highly of the guy. And, and he was a bumping machine. And so he, he was one of the all-time greats. I wish I could see more of his work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, but, you know, Going back to those days, for a guy like him at that time to be flying the middle uh, fingers in the ring, taboo. Couldn't get away with it. Oh, yeah, no. So the timing, yeah, you can mess around in a picture and do it, but you couldn't <laughs> do it in the ring. So it just turns out that maybe the, the timing was right when I did it. Yeah. And they asked me not to do it, but I said, no, I'm going to do it. They, they wanted me to come up with a whole different hand signal. Vince did specifically. And he goes, can you? Because Diamond Dallas Page was given the diamond, right? Yeah. And everybody would go like that with him. He goes, can you come up with a different signal that everybody else could do? I looked him dead in the eyes. I said, no. And I kept flying the middle fingers, and we kept climbing up. We started whipping their ass in the ratings, and we had a hell of a crew, and one thing led to another. But it's nice to see a picture of you and Buddy Rogers. He truly was one of the great ones. Yeah, he, I, I grew up wanting to be him and Raka and a bunch of other guys. And uh, uh, he never, never cursed or anything. You know, it was back in the day where you couldn't say anything. You were on TV, and and that. And he was also he was he was a, he was a gentleman, and he was just he he was absolutely terrific. sitting literally two or three feet from Mark Henry and he starts talking about things that moved him emotionally you can just feel this power that's coming from this guy so out of all the people that you've had on the uh, broken skull sessions what was the the one thing that surprised you that you learned from one of your guests that you were like really you didn't know that I just think Mark Henry, had, I've learned something new from every guest. Yeah. But when, when I went down to Austin, Texas, and I just did an audio podcast with Mark Henry, when you're sitting literally two or three feet from Mark Henry, 
and he starts talking about things that moved him emotionally, you can just feel this power that's coming from this guy. And he's such a great storyteller and he has so much knowledge because, you know, he didn't come up having it real easy. So I guess my, I, that was probably one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done, feeling the power, not the physical power, but the power of Mark's just knowledge of being a man and being a stand-up guy. And again, I, I had him on the Broken Skull session, so yeah. I was like, I was, I'd already talked to him, but sitting across from Mark Henry is quite an experience because he has so much so much wisdom to offer and he's been in a lot of tough places and he's accomplished so much in, in the world of professional wrestling and in the sport of powerlifting and weightlifting. He, uh, he and I are uh, scheduled to talk later this week and I'm going to mention to him what you said. He's also a wonderful family man. Oh man, he just, he's articulate, he's eloquent and he's just He's he's class act. He's a class act. He's a role model for anybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sports Kita and welcome to the After Chat. And right now, it's time for the main event. Did you ever? That's think, my gimmick. That's I know. My did, line. You, I, did you ever think, Mark Henry, that you'd become synonymous with that line? Nope, didn't think of it. But I tell you what, man. Like it's always a hustle to get something going, and uh, I'm about getting over. I got over my whole career. Well, I, I got to tell you something. The the amount of cheers you hear even before you open your mouth up to say it, the anticipation of that is like Michael Buffer, you know, doing. And I only, you know, it's the, the, the Michael Buffer thing. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely great. So there's there's a reason we we're going to talk about something today. But before we get to it. There's something else I want to talk to you about. Very recently, in the last few days, I had a discussion here on the After Chat with some guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin. You remember him? Yeah, that guy, he's kind of famous. Yeah, that's right, son. Bottom line. And I asked him, I said, out of all the podcasts he's interviewed people on and all the Broken Skull sessions he's done with people, who was the one guy that made the biggest impression on him? And he thought for a minute, you know, he's had all these mega stars on. And he said to me, Mark Henry. And I said, wow. And he said, he's articulate. He has true feelings. He, you can just feel the emotion coming out of Mark Henry and what a genuine human being he is. What would you like to say in uh, regard to that? Cause I know he'll watch this. Man, like I've always loved and respected Steve. And I got to know him pretty well. And Steve comes a lot from an environment like I did. And when you come from a place of poverty and you make it, you tend to really gravitate the people that had the same struggle as you. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate him because what he's seeing is, is looking in the mirror. We may not look alike, you know, we may not practice the same faith. We may not have the uh, the same everyday grind, but at the end of the day, we both struggled in here in Texas, came out of poverty, out of bad situations. Uh, I told him about my family and uh, my upbringing. He went, wow, man, I can't believe that. Like, it's like we was running parallel lives. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, and he knows, Steve knows that I'm I'm going to be honest. 
You know, it's a lot of people that they want to smoke and mirror and bullshit their way through life. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I've known people to love and respect me is for them to know my struggle and know where I came from. And I'm not shy about telling my story. Okay. Yeah, it's a very moving story. I know about it, a lot about your life. All right. So just for the next uh, short few minutes here, uh, because Steve Austin, and I knew this about you for years, you're intelligent. You have a mind that loves this business. I want to do a scouting report on you on some of the top guys in AEW, the strengths and weaknesses that you see in some of the top guys in AEW. And start off with uh, uh, the current interim champion, John Moxley. Strengths and weaknesses. I think John's uh, strength is his ability to make everybody feel like, hey, I'm a normal guy. I'm you, you're me. I'm going to go out and represent us. That's his number one strength, that people love him and he's endearing to the crowd because they feel a part of his life, a part of his struggle, a part of his being a man going in the ring and battling another man. Every guy wants that toughness, and John shares that with the, with the fans. Uh, weakness, I think that John is so giving of his body that his career will not be 25, 30 years because he'll have to step away because in the next 10 years, he, he'll be like, man, I, my body is, I gave my body to the business yes. and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life with my family. Okay. Um, let's look at uh, one of the most unique people and he's a veteran, but he keeps coming back younger and younger. And he's now the head of sports entertainment for AEW, Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho's ultimate strength is uh, Chris does not have a weakness. Yeah. Uh, he's got two songs in the top 30 on the on the rock and roll chart. With Fozzie, yes. Right. He's one of the greatest wrestling storytellers and entertainers that we've ever seen. Uh, I think that Chris has moved into the top five all time. Yes. I mean, one place out of the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Uh, Chris's weakness is the same as his strength. He stretched out so thin. He's so he's so good at so many things. Like I hope Chris don't get burnt out one day and just say, you know what, I'm done. Like he burns the candles so hard at both ends that I I, I think that we're gonna lose them faster than we than we than we when we need to. Yeah, I hope not. He really wanted to spend more time with his family. You hear him talk about every interview about being home. And I remember a guy that did that. Mm -hmm. And and um, when your kids start crying when you leave and you start missing everything, then you tend to put everything else down. I hope that don't happen. But, you know, it's, it's just my opinion. Okay. Um, one guy now who I want to talk about who... I would have loved to have seen you in the ring against, and that is Wardlow. He's absolutely, he's strong. He's got so much going for him. What about Wardlow? Strength, weaknesses, and how would Mark Henry have uh, done against him? I think Wardlow is a, 
uh, unbelievable competitor, and he's going to be even better. The Wardlow that we see right now, in, in a best of three, I think a Mark Henry might beat that guy. Okay. But in the next two years, Wardlow is going to be the most dominant force in pro wrestling since Brock Lesnar, since Goldberg, since The Rock, since Steve Austin. And then that guy is going to be the best of three will be uh, three to three to three to. I noticed that the fans now are starting to do the Goldberg chants at him. Wardlow, Wardlow. Yeah. So it's really picking up. Um, recently, uh, a, another big guy has uh, changed his whole career. Uh, Christian has taken Luchadoras and uh, uh, made him a, a, a bad guy as we say in professional wrestling. Uh, positive. You mean Luchasaurus? Yeah, Luchasaurus, yeah. I thought you said Luchador. Did I say Luchadoras? I meant Luchasaurus. <laughs> he, he, but you were right what you said about him. Uh, he's made him a bad guy. And my mom always told me, if you think you can lay with dogs and not get fleas, then you're wrong. Interesting. And I think that him being around Christian is just a simple thing of him being around a dirty, flea-infested dog, and you know, like he—that's that's the outcome. Uh, I I hope in in um, in all good, honest faith that eventually he sees the light and gets away from Christian, because I like what I saw, but you can't deny the toughness that he's showing uh, while he's under this Christian influence. Okay. All right. Um, just a few more because I know you're... No, no, no. You you have taken enough of my time. Okay. Well, I've got to go and feed I know. I know. I know. No, but, you don't know. Talk, talk to you us don't. about Busted Open before we go. Tell us no, about The day was Dave LeGregor's birthday. Oh. He got, a, he got three hours of my time this morning. My goodness, my goodness! But do you you love doing that show, don't you? I'm serious. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, it's a way to not only get things off your chest and show the world your level of understanding, uh, but it's a way to promote the business. I always wanted to shed a really bright light on what I loved the most, and that was pro wrestling. From a, from the time I was eight years old, uh, I loved the business, and I didn't even know it as a business. I just knew that I loved professional wrestling. Who was the and, guy? Wait, wait, who, who was, the, at eight years old, who was the guy you had to see on TV all the time? Oh, man, oh, Jose Lothario uh, here in Texas. Man, he was a god, man. Uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel, uh, then it elevated to Junkyard Dog, uh, Ted DiBiase, and um, I, I used to watch Mid South, so Ted DiBiase and 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 um, Jake the Snake Roberts, and then WWF came into my world, um, and uh, Hulk Hogan's and Andre's, like Andre was my guy though. He was the good guy. He was the guy that you know uh, kind of. Prove the balance of the of the big man 
was was what it was. I always wanted to be the biggest, strongest guy, and Andre was like the biggest, strongest you guy. Notice you notice over there, Andre the Giant would build a midget. Oh my God! Yes, many many years. That was taken backstage in Houston, actually, at one of Paul Bosch's shows. Yeah, that, that hey, was listen, my. Thank you so much for your time. We'd like to do this again when you have a, a little bit more time. And thank you for for your insight on the uh, scouting reports here. And uh, yeah, it's great to see you again. Great you too, Bill. You keep doing your thing, man. Hey, uh, 51 years already, and I'm only 26 years old. You figure it out. Yeah, you got that shady math. That's it. That's it. For Sports Kita and the After Chat, this is Bill After and Mark Henry, and we'll see you at the matches. They came back after the match and said, hey, what'd you think? And I said, come on, guys. Y'all got 40 years of experience between you. Y'all, y'all, y'all have been in business longer than I ever was. What can <laughs> I tell you guys? You're two professionals. First of all, who is some of your current favorites that you, uh, that you look at on TV? Right now, they're giving a big push to theory. To who? Theory, Austin. Oh, Austin Theory. I think the kid's great. Uh, really good look. Uh, stunning at WrestleMania 38. I think he's got a lot of talent. And if he keeps his head on straight and keeps his eyes and ears open, he's going to have a hell of a run. Uh, I just I just got back from a WWE show. They were just in Reno last week. So I drove down there and saw everybody. And it was a tremendous card. I, th- I thought uh, everybody had... Uh, Everybody had a damn good match. They got a hell of a show. I throw out some other names because other than seeing that card, I, I really watch very little television these days. Well, you've got uh, Drew McIntyre, of course. Uh, but Drew, 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 and uh, Sheamus headlined the card, and they had a tremendous main event. They went probably at least twenty minutes and almost like an anything goes uh, match, and they tore the house down. They were a great main event, and everybody loved it. So yeah, Drew McIntyre still doing great things. Hell, Sheamus. I love where they got him figured right now, but they came back after the match and said, hey, what'd you think? And I said, come on, guys. Y'all got 40 years of experience between you. Y'all have been in business longer than I ever was. What can (laughs) I tell you guys? You're two professionals. So two two super great uh, human beings and two two Hall of Famers and all of these Hall of Fames that that I've been in, they're going as well. I want to thank you so much uh, for your time. This will be run on Sports Kita. Uh, wrestling, they'll be using it for little different clips and show. Do you know what a sports kita is? Yeah, you do. I get on my Google Alerts. No, but do you know what it means? No, see, I didn't know this either. And the content manager, Raju Disgupta, who I talked to 100, 100 days, uh, 100 times a day, he said, Kita is a worm. So if you're a bookworm, you're a book kita. This is sports kita. Oh, very interesting. I didn't know that. Don't tell anybody. It's between us. Yeah, yeah. I don't smart anybody up. Hey, listen, thank you so much for doing this. When he walked through the door, he was one of those guys that had that look and had that, that it factor 
like if we can do the right thing with this guy, he's going to get over. He, they finally started doing the right thing. He got to a, a, a mindset of where he's at right now. And he's just, he's just crushing it. You had like no idea that I'm a rapper and I'm going, oh, no. Doing good gangster on me. No, no, I, I'm the only guy in the world that can rap Barry Manilow songs. <laughs> Man, Barry Manilow had a hell of a run. Speaking of run. Lola, she was a showgirl at the frickin' Copa, Copa, Copa. You see behind me over there is my singing machine. I got a lot of uh, Tracy Lawrence. I do been doing this stuff since I was a kid. I always wanted to be an entertainer. I do a lot of Tracy Lawrence, John Michael Montgomery, a lot of George Strait. I do a lot of country music. Man, I didn't know you knew what country music was. Oh, damn. Amarillo by morning. Up from, uh, oh, I never saw that look in your eyes. Little Tracy Lawrence there. Tracy Lawrence, yeah. And probably my f uh, favorite Tracy Lawrence song is Find Out Who Your Friends Are. Oh, you find out who your friends are. Yep. Yeah, mine is... Uh, my little Texas tornado. Nothing. Yeah, that kind of reminds me about Kerry Von Eric, because, you know, they kind of called him a Texas tornado back in the day. When I was in WCW, kind of still J-Brone status, you know, kind of a, you know, curtain jerker, mid-card guy. We're still taking a mechanic. I met uh, Tracy Lawrence in a, in a trailer at one of his shows. He was just starting to catch on fire. This was early 90s, right before he really hit it big. And of course, I was a no-name, stunning Steve. But, I uh, that guy. It was nice, nice meeting that guy. Yeah, he. I met him. We did a country music magazine called Country Beat, and I got sent out. And a lot, you know, I found out it was wrestling with different costumes. All the guys and the fans even knew who I was. It was like the same group of people. But my start off was Black Hawk. But goodbye says it all. Neil McCoy, who was the greatest country music entertainer and has never gotten recognized for it. Um, yeah, never get recognized for nothing. Guy had a couple pretty good songs. Oh, no doubt about it. The the shake, but he's an entertainer. He's a great, uh, he's an absolute great. And I just wanted to remind you, we're still taping. I might use some of this. I know. Okay. Uh, and then there's uh, John Michael Montgomery, who I absolutely loved. Can't believe he passed away. He was on fire back in the day too. Yeah, he was on fire and then uh, switched over to some Tim McGraw. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. You know, I was really impressed with him in 1883. Him oh, and uh, his wife did an outstanding job in that. So uh, his acting chops, I thought it was really good in his role. No Emmy nomination. Can you believe that? Well, I can believe it. Let's just say I, I, in that role, he was very, very good. We, My, my wife and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, every season of that. Oh, I well that that was the one season. There was one season, wasn't it? Every episode, whatever it was, we yeah, watched. It was great. Yeah. It was great. And the shocking ending to me with the daughter. I don't want to give it away if nobody is, if people haven't seen this thing. But man, that is. Yeah, you never want to give up the finish. No, no, can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> All right, I want to move on to some uh, some uh, sports entertainment stuff. I love the Broken Skull sessions. Okay, and I remember back when you were doing a podcast, I was on your podcast at one point. How did this evolve into the TV version of the Broken Skull Sessions? How did this happen? Well, I don't even know. Uh, I don't even remember. They just, uh, 
called me out of the blue and asked me if I wanted to do a live podcast. And, you know, I think when we were doing those things live and I was kind of going from arena to arena, you know, following Monday Night Raw or whatever it was, that's when it started. And then, uh, you know, I started filming some other stuff and tapped out. Uh, Jericho took over for me and then I came back in. And I think the, the way we have it figured now, I, I'm sitting in the Broken Skull session studio right now it's in my ranch so i think the format we have now with, with the guests coming in it's a it, live tv is great when you're doing wrestling yeah. or sports entertainment yeah this show you know it, it, it works where everybody's settled down we don't have the hustle and bustle of, of being live and hard you know 60 minutes we've got the leeway to make this thing as long or as short as we want we try to keep them, give or take, around an hour and a half. So the setting that it's in right now, we kind of evolved into this. And this studio used to be in Los Angeles, California. And when I moved to Nevada, they moved it to the top of my shop and just got the air conditioner and the heating involved. And a couple of the behind-the-scenes stories, you know, before we had the AC, I mean, the heating set up, I remember uh, one of my favorites, Sasha Banks, was sitting right across the table from me. And it was so cold in here. She was sitting on a couple of electric blankets, you know, to oh, keep geez. her warm. And then uh, when Mark Henry came by before we had uh, air conditioning, it was hot. And Mark and I both had towels and we were just wiping ourselves and they'd cut from us every time we wiped. So we have great, great crew of guys working on the show. And we've got a bunch of stories and we, we kind of keep it old school over here. Yeah. We're, we're the new generation, but we, we still pull ribs and it's, it's not like being on the road, but it's like being at a show, being backstage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's the, it's the family. It yeah. Really is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that, uh, that I definitely understand that. Then you got, you know, your ex-manager, uh, Paul Heyman now, uh, as the uh, advocate of Roman Reigns, that whole scenario, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, do you, well, do you acknowledge Roman Reigns? Hey, I'll acknowledge that he's doing some amazing work. And, you know, it, it took a while for him to put all the pieces of the puzzle together and they didn't uh, book him in the greatest fashion at certain points of his career. But when he walked through the door, he was one of those guys that had that look and had that, that it factor. Like if we can do the right thing with this guy, he's gonna get over. He, they finally started doing the right thing. He got to a, a, a mindset of where he's at right now, and he's just he's just crushing it. And I couldn't be prouder of the guy. You know, all those Samoans can work their asses. Oh, yeah, you got the Usos. Rikishi's the Usos coming. are just yeah. killing it. Jimmy and Jay, it was just kind of like, oh, they were a tag team. But now they're a tag team with, ident with an identity, yes. uh, character. That whole that whole thing, the uh, uh, you know, the table. What what's it called? The uh, uh, hang on. The the bloodline. The bloodline. The whole, yes. The whole bloodline thing. So they're great as a unit because, and they're they're all related. But Jimmy and Jay just in and of themselves as the Usos, they are a thing now, and they're a force to be reckoned with. They're one of the best tag teams on planet Earth right now. Hey, listen, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I know you're busy and I still keep it a full-time job and doing this 24 seven too. It's my 52nd year in the wrestling business. How old are you now, Bill? 
be 77 in October. I, I, I was thinking, I said, you got to be 77. I, still got, I got a light above me here, but I still got my comb over. You got you got me by 20 years. I got if my, I can have the run you're having, I'll be happy to have it. You know what the trick is? I don't take care of myself. Everybody I know that takes care of themselves gets sick. Are you kidding me? No. I take a little blood pressure medicine, the cholesterol medicine. Other than that, I eat tuna salad, chicken salad, pizza, burger maybe once or twice a week, a month rather. Uh, big dark chocolate guy, candy, terrible. I'm a big candy holic. Yeah. I'll be damned. Yeah. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. I'm being too healthy. I need to start drinking more. You know, your body gets accustomed to what. See, my drink, where the hell is it? I don't drink any booze. I drink this thing called sparkling ice. Yeah. Oh, I drink like 10 of those uh, uh, every two days. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I'm a big soda guy.